Hey friends, it's Ryan Frank, and today I am taking you inside a coaching call that I had today with my inner circle. Now, my inner circle is a monthly coaching program for ministry leaders. Uh, we talk about it at kidsmatter.com, and every month I get together with these leaders. We talk about, I teach on a topic, and then uh, we take time for questions at the end. So, in today's coaching call, we talked about delegating, mastering the art of delegating, and delegating to grow your ministry or your organization. And I'm going to tell you, it's really easy as leaders for us to just kind of think we're the jack of all trades and do it all and run real hard. And sometimes that's necessary when you're starting, but it's not sustainable. So hope you enjoy the podcast. I'll be quiet. We'll jump in. And uh, thanks for what you do. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Hello, and welcome to the Ryan Frank Podcast, helping you think, work, and create like never before. I want to talk to you today about delegating, about delegating. Now, here's the deal. As leaders, whether you are a ministry leader, whether you're a pastor, whether you own a small business, we tend to take on the role of jack-of-all-trades, where, you know, I'm just going to do it all, and I'm going to perfect everything. But the problem is, and sometimes that's necessary, especially at the beginning of a startup or the beginning of a ministry, the problem is if you keep that uh, speed, eventually you are going to hit a wall. Uh, You have to develop leaders. You have to develop leaders. Andy Stanley says that your number one job as a ministry leader is leadership development. And I think he's exactly right. You've got to grow up the next level of leaders. And so that's what we're talking about today as we talk about delegating. I'm going to take time at the end for questions uh, from uh, my inner circle group that are on Zoom with me right now. So if you're on Zoom and you have a question, you can start typing those in at any time. Um, I'll figure out at some point how to take questions from Facebook Live and from Instagram Live. Uh, and I, But Here's the deal. I wear bifocals, and I can barely see those phones that are set up over there, all right? Um, you know, there's an example of the Bible of a guy that was pushing so hard, pushing so hard, and he almost came to a breaking point. He almost lost his family over it. It was Moses, and we read the story in Exodus chapter number 18, where Moses was pushing, pushing, pushing. He was work, getting up early, staying up late, and his father Jethro said, you need to build depth on your team, You've got to build some depth. You've got to bring in good people to help you. And that's what we're talking about today when we talk about delegating. Really, delegating makes sense because for one reason, um, it uh, allows you to use other people's time, right? We each only have 24 hours in a day. So if you're going to get more time, you have to learn how to use other people's time, which is one of the secrets of delegating. Second, it provides opportunities for other people to develop. Remember I said Andy Stanley's quote, that your number one job is leadership development. And if that's the case, delegating provides that opportunity for people to learn new skills, to grow and develop, and uh, to become the person that they admire to be or that they feel that they need to be or that God has called them to be. So I want to talk to you about a few things you need to know if you are going to learn the art of delegating. If you're going to learn to delegate well, in your ministry, in your organization. First of all, you have to know your needs. You have to really understand what is it that I am doing that someone else can be doing. Uh, You have to take an assessment of what all is on my plate. What all is on my plate. Um, Now, 
here's the deal. We uh, get so busy, we push so hard, we run so fast. Again, like I said at the beginning, we become the jack of all trades to the point that we don't even realize what all is on our plate unless we stop and we pause and we take time to really identify what those things are. So that's what I want to encourage you to do. Pause and assess what is on my plate. What am I doing that only I can be doing? And what am I doing that someone else can be doing? What you'll find if you really pause and assess your time is you'll find that, boy, you know what? I'm really doing a lot of stuff someone else could be doing. You'll also identify time wasters. I've been spending this much time on this, right? You'll also uh, identify time drains. You know what a time drain is? If you know what a time drain is, go ahead and tell me in the comments or in the chat. Yeah, I know. Now, don't mention who is your time drain, right? Especially if it's a person. But you know what a time drain is. That thing that just sucks the time out of you. So you've got to understand your needs. That's number one. Number two, you have to know your options. You have to know what your options are. You really only have a few options. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got all this on my plate. I've got all of these ministries to run. I've got this job to, to, to run, this company to run. I've got this family to manage. So really, if I've got all this stuff on my plate, I'm only left with a few options. Well, option one is... I'm going to work my rear end off, okay? I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to go, 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 go. And, but we, that doesn't work, right? You're going to end up flatlining. You're going to end up having an ulcer. You're going to end up in the hospital. You're going to end up being burnt out and stressed and sleepless nights. That's not the best option. Uh, you don't want to go, 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 go until you have nothing else to do. Second, you can simply prioritize and decide, you know what, I'll just get some things done, and what doesn't get done, doesn't get done. All right, I see a lot of you on Facebook Live. Awesome, I'm glad that so far this is working, and Instagram Live, this is my very first time doing Instagram Live. Cammy's on there, it looks like Chrissy's on there, and of course, all of my Inner Circle members are with me on Zoom, several hundred of you that are part of my coaching program are here. And we're recording this for the podcast that hopefully will be up and going next week, the new Ryan Frank podcast. Um, but why did I get on that? Because it seems like we're working. Okay, so we have. let's review the options. Option number one is I work my butt off until I flatline. Not a good option. Number two, I prioritize and I decide I'm just going to do these few things and if the other stuff doesn't get done, too bad. Option three, I talk to my boss and I say, listen, you're going to have to pick. I can, I've got 10 things on my plate. I can only do three of them. Four of them, you pick. That's not the best option. That's not what your boss wants to hear. Here's the best option, option number four, and that is to learn to delegate effectively, right? To use other people's time, to build depth, to build a team. Now, great, Ryan. I get it. I get it. I need to build a team. What do I do? For those of you that are live with me on my Zoom, on my coaching call, Thank you. I see questions coming in. You can put the use the Q&A button or the chat and private message me the, the chat if you have a question. I see several of these already coming in, and we'll try to tackle as many of them as we can in a little bit. Ryan, I know I need to delegate, so how do I effectively delegate? 
Here's how you effectively delegate. You have to be smart about it, right? You have to be smart. Here is what is not smart, and I see this mistake happen over and over and over and over again. People delegate their most complicated tasks, and that is so stupid. You don't delegate your most complicated task. If I delegate my most difficult, challenging task, get this, all right? It's setting up someone for failure, and I don't want that, and you don't want that. So start by delegating your least complicated tasks, right? Maybe it's running an errand. Maybe it's picking up supplies, right? Maybe it's making bank deposits. You know, whatever it is, what are the most least complicated tasks that I begin, can begin to delegate? Do not, please, do not delegate your most difficult tasks first, your most complicated tasks first. Uh, number two, here's a, here's a second not smart thing to do, and that is delegate what is inappropriate. I'm not saying that right. So, yeah, that, don't, don't delegate, only delegate what is appropriate to the person you are delegating to. That's what I meant to say. In other words, if you're wanting to update your policy manual, don't delegate that to someone who is not at all detail-oriented, right? Uh, no, you don't want to do that. If you're wanting to delegate the event committee and someone else needs to plan these events, don't delegate that out to the person that's the introvert that never shows up for parties. You get my point. If you're going to delegate smart, number one, you don't delegate your most complicated task first. All right, we've got Joy on Instagram. Glad you're here, Joy. Heather's joined us on Facebook. And we've had about 15 more of you join the coaching call on Zoom. That's awesome. Uh, you want to, number one, don't delegate the most complicated task first. And number two, delegate what is appropriate. Delegate what is appropriate. Now, some of the best advice that I can give you on delegating actually comes from Andy Stanley. And uh, Andy is a leadership guru, as many of you know. Um, and he talks about one of his books, The Four Levels of Delegating. I actually talk about this in my new book, Ten Sentences to Revolutionize Your Ministry. But I'm going to go ahead and share them with you again. Uh, the four levels of delegating. Level number one is investigation. Investigation. Level number two, let me share them and then I'll unpack them. Number, level number one is or investigation. Level number two is informed progress. Level number three, informed results. Level number four, ownership, right? You've got to go in this order with people. Number one, investigate. If you see someone that you think you can uh, delegate to, you start by giving them a task where they are going to investigate something. And what this does is this qualifies that person for you or unqualifies them based upon what they report back to you. So it might be, hey, and will you investigate and get back to me on this next week? What if they don't get back with you? All right? Aren't you glad you didn't give them everything? Right? So you start by giving them a task where they investigate. Once they pass that test or that level, you're going to move to informed progress. I'm going to give you a job, but I want you to give me updates along the way. I want you to give me updates along the way. Um, what this does is it shows you how are they tracking, right? And then once they have given you informed progress and have proven themselves there, 
you move them to a new level, and that is informed results. Now, I don't need you to investigate. I trust you. I don't need you to give me updates. I trust you. I just want you to let me know when it's done, right? Uh, when you have completed this task, in this task, in this task. And what you do then is you um, have moved people to a new level where I trust you with the details. Keep me posted so I can see the finished product. Once they have proven that they can complete the project, you're going to move them to a new level, and that is ownership. Where, you know what, you just have somebody that is an owner that you can trust with whatever it is you have tasked them to do. Okay, So these are Andy Stanley's four levels of delegation. You start with investigation. Do some research, because this is going to qualify them. Then you move to informed progress. Give me updates along the way. Once they've proven themselves there, you move to informed results. And that is, don't give me, don't tell me what you've investigated or give me progress updates. I want to know when you're done. Once they have proven that they can do a job and they can do it with, uh, by doing these things right here, then you make them owners. They move to a new level where you really are leaning in on them. So let's review and then we're going to move into Q&As. Uh, thank you. I see questions coming in on Zoom, which is great. Uh, you've got to know your needs. So you have to adequately assess where, where am I and where do I need the most help, okay? Uh, number two, you have to know your options when it comes to delegating. I can either, uh, or getting things done, I can work, 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 work. I can prioritize knowing some things won't get done. I can talk to my boss and say, tough luck, I didn't get this stuff done. Those things aren't best. What is best is delegating. Now, so let's move to number three. You've got to be smart when you delegate. You don't delegate the most complicated things first. You delegate um, the least complicated. And then you move people down a journey. You also delegate what is appropriate to the person's skill sets and their abilities. Uh, that will save you a lot of disappointments. And for both you and the person you're delegating to, if you learn to delegate to them what is appropriate. Now, I want to wrap up before we get into questions, talking about the importance of documenting and training. Documenting and training. The reason why you are so good at what you do is because you know how you like it done. You know how it gets done. You understand the systems in place to getting that done. That's why you're so good at it. And so if you delegate, if you delegate, and give, give me one second, okay. All right. If you dealt, what I lost my train of thought. Um, let's see here. Yeah, the reason you know, the reason you're so good at things is because you know the systems and you know what needs to be done. So if you delegate and you don't properly document and train, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, and you're setting up your uh, person that you're delegating to for disappointment. All right. So you've got to learn to document. You've got to learn to document. Um, I'm going to be honest, some, some of us just don't get this. We um, understand the need of building a team, and we find people that can help us, and then we explain the job, and we walk away. And we don't ever walk people down a journey. 
And then we wonder why they aren't doing it as good as we are doing it. Why aren't they doing it as good as I am doing it? Because they don't understand it like I do. And they don't understand it like you do. And so you've got to make sure that you document. If you ask somebody to do something for you, right? I need to be in charge of this program. I need you to work this class. I want you to develop this product or this curriculum. You've got to document, here are the steps. And then you have to spend time training. Let them shadow you. Let them shadow you. Give them the details. Give them, provide the tools that are needed. And I know it, it takes a lot of time on the front end. But the truth is that it will save you so much headache on the back end. And a lot of times we don't document and train because we don't have, think we have time when in reality that's what ends up costing us the most time. So make sure although training and documenting does take a huge investment of time, the payoffs are huge. All right. Um, hey, let's jump into some questions. I hope that you got a few nuggets there. It looks like we're still live on Instagram. We're still live on Facebook uh, and on Zoom, which is wonderful. I'm glad y'all are joining and participating in this training today. Uh, we've got some great questions that have come in from uh, my Zoom call here. Let me pop those up. The first one is from Aaron. All right, Aaron, I'm glad you're with me today. I don't have anyone to delegate to. I don't have anyone to delegate to. What do I do? Actually, Aaron, you probably do have people to delegate to. Um, unless you are at your church all alone, uh, unless you're the only one that shows up on Sunday, uh, you, there are people that you can delegate to. I would step back and look at how am I delegating and refine your ask. All right. Remember that the vision always precedes the ask. The vision always precedes the ask. People want to know the why behind the what. You'll get a lot more people to raise their hand. You'll get a lot more people to sign up for your team if they understand the why behind the what. And you'll not only get a lot more people on the front end to sign up, but they'll stick with you longer because vision and heart and mission is what keeps people sticking with it on the good weeks and the bad weeks. It's what keeps people uh, with you when things are going good at work and when things are going bad at work. When they're having health problems and when things are just fine, when they're having issues with their kids and when their kids are doing exactly what they want them to do, the vision and the heart and the mission keeps people plugged in. So, Aaron, I think you probably do have people to delegate to. Um, if you truly don't have anyone to delegate to and there's this big... Uh, ministry or project that can't go on because of that, then you probably just need to let it die um, because you've got to have leaders in place. But I would take time, Aaron, to step back and think through, am I really explaining the vision? Are people getting the vision behind the ask? Am I building those relationships? Am I making those heart connections? And um, once I make those heart connections, the delegating should get a lot easier. All right, next question from uh, Allison. Okay, Allison W., how long should a person shadow me? Yeah, so I talked earlier, good question, about part of uh, delegating is, spending, t is um, spending time with people and allowing them to shadow you. Here's how long they need to shadow you, until they are confident and until you are confident. You both need to be confident. If they think they're confident, 
but you're not confident, they need to shadow you more. You need to spend more time together. If you think they're confident, but they don't think they're confident, you need to spend more time together. They need to shadow you more. So uh, there's no uh, perfect answer to this, like three weeks, four weeks, uh, three hours. The answer, Allison, is someone should shadow you as you delegate until they are confident and you are confident. All right. Uh, next question is from uh, Rachel. Rachel says, how can I get more training for myself as a ministry coordinator? Well, there's a lot. Wow, Rachel, you know what? We, we have this great gift, and it's called the Internet. And there is so much available training to us on the Internet. Now, you see books behind me. I love books, and I, get, I learn a lot from books. But I learn a lot from the Internet, from podcasts that I listen to, from groups like the I Love Kidman Facebook group and other Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Um, I learn from um, friends, ministry friends, uh, other pastors, uh, other people that I am rubbing shoulders with. Uh, you know, back before there was the internet, I mean, you really, it was the radio and TV and books and the newspaper and, ma and magazines and printed media. And I still love printed media, but, but Rachel, online opens it so much more. So uh, learn from Facebook groups. I know you're part of the I Love Kidman Facebook group. Uh, listen to some podcasts. And I would even learn from people that you might not think you could ever learn from. And I bet you will learn from them. All right, next question from Kevin. I know I need to delegate more, uh, but I struggle. This is one of my weak spots as a leader. I don't know what my deal is. Well, Kevin, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and for being honest. You aren't alone. There are a lot of people that struggle with delegating. And many of, especially those of you that are a little more introverted, a little more quiet. Uh, it's hard to put yourself out there. So there could be several reasons why you're struggling, Kevin. One is maybe you are introverted or you're a little more quiet. Um, and if that's the case, I would pray that, and ask the Lord to help you grow your confidence and, and just to help you to get your put yourself out there. Uh, maybe you're a perfectionist, Kevin. Um, honestly, perfectionists are some of the worst at delegating because they want everything to be done their way. And they want things to be done just right. And I kind of decided a few years ago, if somebody can do something 70% as good as I can, I'm going to let them do it. And it may not be 100%, but by giving it away, it frees me up to do a lot more. So it could be that you uh, are perfectionist. Maybe, Kevin, you've been burnt out in the past, which has happened to all of us, I'm sure, where you delegate, you delegate to the wrong person. That happened to Moses. Remember when Moses went up on Mount, um, the mountain to uh, meet with God and he left Aaron in charge? And what happened when he came back down, right? They were all worshiping a golden calf. And, and Moses got a little upset about it, as we know. Um, and sometimes we delegate. Maybe uh, a golden calf is not erected, but it's, somebody drops the ball or they, they, it's a major mess up. You've got to allow people to fail, Kevin. Um, someone, someone has allowed you to fail and learn from it, so you need to allow people to fail as long as... They are failing forward, and they are learning through the failure. I at all, I don't at all despise failure. I think failure is the back door to success if you learn through the failure. So allow people to fail, and yeah, you know what? When you delegate, someone might fail, but it's okay. Uh, maybe I don't know. This just came to mind. I talked about it earlier. Maybe you're not delegating, Kevin, because you don't feel like you have time to delegate. 
And some people don't delegate for that reason. I'm too busy to delegate. The truth is you're too busy not to delegate because the act, actually the opposite happens. When I refuse to delegate because I'm too busy, it actually ends up costing me more time in the long haul. So Kevin, uh, I don't know more of your story, but I would encourage you to just start and start by putting yourself out there and asking one person. Remember what I shared a minute ago that the vision should always precede the ask, that people always want to know the why behind the what. So make sure that there's that heart connection. People understand your vision and your mission. And then don't overthink it. We do often make it a little too hard. Okay, uh, very good. Next question is coming from uh, Jen, Jenny. Jenny, okay, on Zoom. It seems like I don't have enough help right now. And my pastor is talking about adding new ministries. I'm frustrated. What should I do? Okay, uh, Jenny, you need to talk, try to talk to your pastor about this. If I was talking to your pastor, here's what I would tell your pastor. And I, it might come better from me because um, I don't work for your pastor. But here's really here's here's what I'm trying to say. You need to adapt your programs to suit your priorities. So. So there are some churches that um, run 100 people on Sundays, but they run their church of 100 like they were running 1,000 people. They just have people way too busy. They have way too many activities. There's way too much going on. And uh, because of that, um, they struggle. They deal with frustrations like you are dealing with, Jenny. Uh, you have to adapt your programs to suit your priorities. So, um, And by the way, I would say that if you are... If you have a church of 100 and you're doing as much of a church as 1,000, you're crazy, right? It does not make sense, and it is a fatal flaw that will cost you in the long haul. Uh, there is something to simplifying, to simplifying. So what I would encourage you to do, Jenny, is I would ask your pastor to help you prioritize. Um, if that ministry is so important to him or her, uh, what ministry isn't as important to him or her anymore because you need to make some adjustments along the way. Your programs have to suit your priorities. Uh, no, next question. All right, I already did that one from Kevin. Number Here we go. Anthony, we'll do one or two more. Anthony, should I wait to start a new ministry until I have a leader, or should I start the ministry and trust and believe that the leader will follow? Good, I get this question a lot. So what comes first, the ministry or the leader, right? And I get it that arguments could be made on both sides. Uh, some people would say, well, start the ministry and cast the vision and, and people will follow the vision. Other people say, no, 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 don't start anything until you have a leader. And that's what I would recommend. Now, I'm not saying that uh, one is wrong. If you choose to start a ministry first, that's great. It'll probably work. You know your people and you know your heart and you know the way you communicate. There's a good chance it'll work. Um, my philosophy is I don't want to start something new until I have a leader. In fact, I would take it one step farther, and I would say don't start a new ministry until you have two leaders, um, and one of those leaders can't be you, the pastor, right, or the leader, the director of the ministry. You need to have at least one good leader. I would say two, and I think I have some biblical support on that. If you go to Ecclesiastes 4, what's it say? Two is better than one, right? Because they're going to have a good return on their investment or they're going to have a good return for their work. So uh, I would, Amy or Anthony, I would start with a leader. And I would probably encourage you to start with two leaders um, that get it and are excited about it and are passionate about it. 
before you launch that new program or that new ministry. All right, uh, next question from Don. I have a new team of coach-level leaders that I have never had before. I cast vision, painted the current picture of children's ministry to them, and then shared a few goals. We then dreamed towards vision. What if it would happen, or what if, what if it, what if, I can't read today, my glasses. Okay, what if what we wanted to happen, happened, what would it look like? We had an energizing time with them. I asked them to brainstorm next steps that would help us to achieve the vision and dreams. They seem to have ideas for what their heart is leaning toward. Um, do I shift some of my priorities to empower them and start momentum? Absolutely, Don. Absolutely. Um, especially if they are both heading the same direction. Now, if you, Don, as the lead, first of all, let me applaud you, Don, for pulling your coach-level leaders together and having these conversations because you're doing what 9 out of 10 ministry leaders don't do. Uh, I'm amazed at how many, um, how many pastors start ministries because they think it's a good idea. I'm amazed at how many, um, how many entrepreneurs launch a product because they got the idea and they think it's a great product before they ever talk to anybody and the ministry flops, the product flops. You've got to get, you've got to keep your ear on the rail, Don, and you've done that. You've talked to your leaders. You've cast a vision. You've had brainstorming and prayer time, and now they are coming back with ideas. So I would say, unless, Don, you're wanting to go this way and their ideas go this way, if they're headed in the same direction, I would definitely adjust my priorities and empower them. And, um, boy, I think, Don, you're going to see great results. You're, these people are going to be fired up. They're going to own it. And... Um, and I think it's going to get you where you want to go. So, way to go. Proud of you for doing that. Okay, final question is from, um, uh, from Ken. Okay, Ken B. I'm going into summer two where I don't have a director for Vacation Bible School. I really don't want to do it myself again. Uh, what would you do? Good question. So, I'm going into summer two where I don't have a director for VBS I really don't want to do it myself again. What would you do? Okay, a couple thoughts. Uh, number one, remember, I don't know how you've been asking, uh, Ken. I don't know how you've been asking, but I would make sure when you ask, uh, first of all, get yeah, make sure, get my new book, uh, 10 Sentences to Revolutionize Your Ministry, or get uh, my book, The Volunteer Code. Both those are on Kids Matter. Um, and read up on making the right ask because there is an art to asking people and delegating. And, but a lot of it is having that heart connection and making sure that they understand the vision behind the ask or the uh, why behind the what. So make sure you're getting that right, Ken. And let me assume that you are. Assuming that you are, if you still can't find a leader going into summer number two, then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Because the truth is, in any ministry of a church, if there is not a leader, it's probably not as important as you and I think it is, or there would be a leader. So um, now, when you announce that you're not going to do it, be prepared for a mutiny. Um, uh, be prepared for some people to raise their hand and to step up to the plate out, out of guilt. And that may be okay. God may use that in the life of the people that finally step up out of guilt to do it, but don't do it with that motivation. I'm going to threaten not to do it, hoping that someone will step up out of guilt. I would genuinely, if you don't have a leader, 
and and I would not make this decision, Ken, in a silo. Make sure you have the blessing of your pastor and the leadership of the church. But if you are making the right ask, if you are casting the vision, building those relationships, and you genuinely feel like I'm at year two and I don't have a leader, um, I just wouldn't do it anymore. So I think we need, it's time to stop doing ministries that you don't have anybody to lead. And I think sometimes it's good. We talked earlier about simplifying things. It's good to to uh, cut back to the bare essentials. I think it is good to um, uh, to look at what is the minimum that I can do, the minimum that I can do with the people that God has given me to do it with. So there you go. Hey, thank you guys and girls for joining me for uh, this coaching call today. Thank you to uh, the several hundred of you that are in my coaching program that are with me um, live, those that will be listening to this podcast once the new podcast is up, and I'll make sure that you know when it is. Thank you to those of you on Facebook Live and Instagram Live. Hope that you've enjoyed today's training. Let's make sure to stay connected. Hey, have a great Thanksgiving. Have a wonderful time with your family and your loved ones, and be sure to pause and reflect and celebrate all that God has done for you this past year. We have lots to rejoice for. All right? Have a great Thanksgiving. We will talk to you later. Bye. This episode of the Ryan Frank Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more productivity and life hacks to help you stay on the leading edge. And if you like what you heard, please rate this podcast with five stars. Thanks so much and talk to you next time.